This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's Morning Show, now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. A big part of workplace culture actually has nothing to do with work. Team building in the office and out of the office is something that managers and executives utilize to try and improve the vibe of employees. Here's the thing. Can team building actually exclude people? Can it actually make the vibes worse? Kelly Braun Johnson is a workplace accessibility specialist and the founder of Completely Inclusive. Hey, good morning, Kelly. Great to chat with you once again. Hi, good morning. So before we get into some of the mistakes that companies make in putting team building activities together, do you believe there are benefits to team building exercises? So, yes. (laughs) Always a caveat, right? (laughs) I, I say yes, absolutely, but it has to be really well thought out and with clear goals. Um, I think there are limits to what we can accomplish in one day. And I think businesses have to kind of be realistic about that. Mm. One of the jokes that I make around team building, especially when it's after hours stuff and it's required, I call it mandatory optional team building. How mindful do managers have to be when it comes to scheduling formal team activities outside of work hours? Yeah, I, I call it I call it forced fun. Um <laughs> <laughs> that the whole culture of, oh, we always have fun at work. And it's like, oh boy, what does that mean? <laughs> um, but I, I definitely prefer that it happens on company time um, because I think it just starts to create all sorts of different logistical issues if we try to do things after work hours. Um, you know, just considering things that people have going on in their lives. It could be childcare, um, having a sport or activity that somebody wants to go to afterwards or have to go home and walk their dog um, or you're just tired of seeing your coworkers' faces after eight <laughs> hours and you just want to go home, which is all these things are valid, right? Mm. A-, a couple of months ago, we talked about how meetings can sometimes be something of a time suck. When team building is scheduled like it should be during work hours, what consideration should be taken for employees? Because so often workload and productivity expectations are kept in place, even though the time commitment is mandatory there's really a really amazingly simple solution to this. It's just stop it. Just stop with the expectations of trying to make people do both. Um, And I've, I've worked at places where they made it part of their company culture. So the expectation was set, not just for the employees, but for clients. You know, there were warnings ahead of time. We're going on our one day team building retreat. You're not gonna have access to any of us. And this is an important part of one of our core values. Um, And they used it. They took advantage of that by posting on LinkedIn and saying, hey, this is how well we treat our employees. But there was no expectation that we were going to get work done that day. Or there was work, but it was work in the context of this is what we're doing to build our company culture. Let's come back to things like lunches or happy hours. What are things that organizers forget about dietary needs? Well, for me, somebody who has food allergies, it's, it can be a nightmare. It can be, it can mean that I'm, I'm starving. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gluten-free, I'm dairy-free, I'm allergic to shellfish. Um, 
and for some reason caterers read that as let's give this person the most bland dish possible but <laughs> but that's even if i've been taken into consideration um and you know i joke about it but i you know i don't look i luckily don't have a life-threatening allergy but for those who do this is very serious and then there's other considerations different kinds of diets either for religious reasons or uh for let's say diabetes or needing low sodium or those kind of things um I think businesses need to take this very seriously. If you're going to treat your employees, we need to treat them well and, and treat them in a way that is safe so that they can eat um, and be comfortable just like everyone else. What about the presence of alcohol at these kinds of functions? Well, for me, it's uncomfortable. I also don't drink. And there's plenty of people who don't drink for all sorts of different you know, reasons. Um, but also I've seen alcohol do some things where things get really weird, really fast, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> at, a, at a workplace party, you know, I've seen bosses dancing on tables and that's to me something that we don't need to see that that shouldn't be part, I think, of, of your culture. Um, but we need to also look at things, people who are taking certain medications, uh, people who are recovering alcoholics, maybe gifting alcohol is not, um, is not really the way to go about it if we want to be inclusive. Especially when we're thinking about outside the office, what should organizers be looking for in terms of accessibility in the physical space? Well, I want to go, I guess, beyond beyond the physical. Okay, you know, sure. Or the, of course. Or the, even the, the minimal physical of course, accessibility. Of course, of course. But things like uh, transport, getting there, getting back. Is it safe? Is there a safe public transport nearby? Um, you know, I've seen many things where the buses stop running at 9 p.m. So, okay, well, how do, you, how do people get home? Mm. Um, you know, is there parking? Is that parking accessible? Um, you know, I worked at one place that uh, gave taxi vouchers to anybody who wanted afterwards. It's really about thinking ahead, thinking about ahead about how people are going to be leaving your venue. Um, and then also things inside the venue. You know, we have different things about accessibility, but sometimes when they say, well, is there seating? And they say yes, but it's bar stool seating, which is not accessible for a lot of people. I mean, I'm short, my legs are going to dangle, I'm going to fall off. <laughs> this is the people who have back problems who can't get up on a bar stool. Um, you know, or, or just even having the logistics of carrying your food. You know, is there a tray, or am I supposed to balance a paper plate and, and oh, a cup yeah. and, oh, and yeah. wander around? Right. Um, just all those little details. The the buffet thing absolutely destroys me at public functions. It's like, okay, let's all try to like socialize and use the buffet. It, it, it's, it's a disaster waiting to happen and like super unsanitary in the, in the, in the COVID world that we live in. So yeah. Kelly, based on the chat we just had, are there risks that team building events and work socials can actually backfire? Oh, hundred percent. For me, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It, it's uh, I feel like if my needs haven't been considered, um, I leave. I don't have a strong sense of belonging um, at that place. I don't feel like I feel like I've been forgotten, right? Um, and I think that can again also uh, businesses who think that a team building is going to uh, solve all these problems in one day, whatever you know, if they're trying to work on some sort of cultural uh, team problem or something, it's not going to solve a problem right away. Um, you can't just have one discussion discussion about microaggressions, let's say, and, and hope the problem solved. It doesn't work like that. Um, but if I've been left out by either, uh, you've gifted me alcohol that I can't drink, um, or you've left me hungry because there's food that's not safe for me to eat. Um, I feel pretty much like not only am I left out, but in some cases it can be downright dangerous for mm. an employee. 
yeah, at a certain point, it feels like you don't know me. You don't, you don't value me. You haven't taken the time to even like learn I- iota about me to know what right. makes me content. You're just trying to foist something upon me. Kelly, let's try to end here on a positive note. Do you have a memory of a team building exercise or event that was actually kind of awesome? When I worked at McGill Athletics, they used to give us some free tickets to Montreal Alouettes football games where we, we could sit as a group. But in that case, it wasn't mandatory. It was just a really fun perk. For me, like I've always enjoyed those kind of perks. Uh, you know, I used to have fifteen uh, percent off at the Scandinavian spa near the workplace, which I thought was mm, fantastic. Mm. Um, but I've I've actually enjoyed events where I was introduced to experiences um, or places that I wouldn't normally either be able to attend or just hadn't really thought of. Um, and for me, like one of those fun perks was uh, the uh, private lounge at the Bell Center. Um, and I got to watch a hockey game. And I'm not even a hockey fan, but mm, mm. <laughs> ooh, ooh, shh, I won't say that loud. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for me, that was an experience. It was a once in a lifetime experience. I'm probably never, ever going to go up into one of those lodges again. And I got to spend some relaxed time with my coworkers in, in a situation where, um, you know, I wouldn't normally have been able to go. Um, I like those kind of things where, where those kind of perks where it, it wasn't mandatory, but it was definitely something that I was happy to be able to try and be able to try something new. Mm. Um, other experiences that I had were uh, to go and volunteer. Um, and so as a group, we all went and volunteered at a food bank. And again, it was a completely different experience, a completely different context to see your workmates in. Um, but doing something good for society and having a completely interesting and new experience. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, those are really, really good examples. Hey, Kelly, thank you for some insight on this topic today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's Kelly Braun Johnson, the founder of Completely Inclusive. Let's bring in Corinne Van Dusen for the big business story of the day. Corinne, you got a neat story here about the rise of franchisees in a post-pandemic world. Yeah, it caught my attention because um, reading a lot of stuff you just talked about, um, workplaces and doing things there and a lot of people heading back to the office, not heading back. But in the months after the pandemic hit, many people with corporate jobs actually took a fresh look at what they were going to do to make a living. So some left their jobs and looked for alternatives. And this included opening up a franchise with an established brand. They're called quasipreneurs. As the article says, and opening franchises, they say they like the ability to buy into a proven brand name and the access to tools and operations that you wouldn't get if you started your own small business. Mm. But they realized that franchising has plenty of challenges, too. There are a lot of rules and regulations to abide by and lengthy contracts, which can be difficult to get out of. But start, a lot of people have um, changed career jobs, changed careers post-pandemic and, um, you know, kind of looked at, figured out what they wanted to do. And this, like a quasi-entrepreneur, I get it because you didn't start your own business, but you are running a business. I think that's like, for lack of a better word, pretty cool that people mm. kind of exited the rat race to enter like, you know, a franchise business. 
especially in a world where there's a lot of crowding and saturation of markets, there's pretty much no markets that aren't saturated at this point. There is something to be said about that franchise model. Although, as you pointed out, there are a lot of costs that go along with it and a lot of control that you don't get, right? There are certain mandatory minimums that you have to send back to head office. There are certain things you have to do in regards to menu items or cleanliness, et cetera, et cetera. But the benefits in terms of saying, hey, I've got this very recognizable golden arches or big red font named after a hockey player on the front of my store, it definitely allows you to say, I don't need to necessarily advertise or draw people into this place because the brand recognition will do that for me. Oh yeah, definitely. It is a is a it is a step because if you're not uh, if you're timid or tentative about opening something of your own, the recognition does help because you kind of go in knowing that people are going to go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like what is what does it cost to run your own social media? What does it cost to pay for your own advertising? What does it cost to pay for your own uh, presentation of like boards at the store? That's all very complicated stuff. I can definitely see where it's valuable in the food industry. I wonder, though, in terms of the retail franchise industry, if that benefit is still there, especially when so much of that retail space is moving online. Are you literally just a place where people go to try on the shoe before they buy it online? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my mind went completely to towards the food service industry. As we do. As you and I do. That's our natural <laughs> instinct. So, I, yeah, I didn't – oh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought about the, uh, the retail aspect, but – yeah, things are also um, changing in regards to people's habits of shopping again. You know, lots of people are staying online, but lots of people want to get out there. Your example of shoe shopping is perfect. Yeah. You know, I can't order shoes online because, you know, you know uh, well, I can't. I can order one kind of shoe because I know my size. And yeah, I'm the same. In there. I'm the same. I know exactly which <laughs> shoe will fit my foot based on the cut of shoe in the manufacturer. But that's it. One shoe. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.